On today's show, we have yet another Giannis injury update. And quite honestly, I'm not sure if it's a good one or a bad one because we got two different wordings here with Giannis. So we're going to discuss the latest there and another potentially key injury for the Bucs that is already ruled a player out of game two. Uh, we're also going to talk about the anonymous player poll. There was plenty of Bucks players that featured in that. And hey, maybe at the end, if we get time, I'll ask Camille, what's your thought about Draymond Green going all stone cold Steve Austin on DeMontis Sabonis? Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Monday to Friday, and also find my work over at ESPN. And alongside me, probably, I think I didn't ask. I normally ask. I think fresh off a tech foul podcast. I think it's fresh. that time of the week yet again. Camille Davis is back on the podcast, which we absolutely love to see. And we have just got plenty to talk about today for this show that is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code Locked On NBA for twenty bucks off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed, and as usual, Camille, we thank everyone for making Locked On Bucks the first watch or first listen of every day. As suspected, and we've said this before, sometimes when the Bucks lose games, we actually get more viewers and more comments because Bucks fans know it's a safe place to come in and vent, and there's certainly been a little bit of that. So continue to drop your comments and feedback on the show and what we're saying that is complete rubbish, everything. We love it. Do it on YouTube. Do it on Twitter, wherever you can get a hold of us. But subscribe, like and all those things. It's free to do, and it really helps us. And hopefully, we've got another couple of months of games to watch for this Bucks team, and the show can really take off over the next couple of months. We appreciate it. Uh, one other quick note, though. We do have a partnership now with SiriusXM Radio. So game two between the Bucks and the Heat, 8 p.m. Central Time at Fiserv Forum. We're going to break it all down here. Bucks desperate to tie this series at one apiece, heading down to Miami. You can catch every minute of Bucks and Heat on the Bucks hometown uh, broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search for Bucks there for that one. And you'll listen to our friend Justin Garcia, Dave Kane, and the whole crew there uh, if you want to listen to the radio broadcast. So that will be a bit of fun. Uh, Camille, before we get into the official proceedings from today with Giannis and this uh, back injury that he is carrying, can I just get a... Uh, anxiety check with you around the box as they are one zip down in the series because we haven't had a chance to talk too much. Yeah, uh, vibe check on the series. So yes. um, you mentioned to start off how there are times where when the Bucks lose, there's more traffic, more views, more <laughs> comments, um, in part because people just have to vent. You got to let it out, right? So I had my moment of venting, letting it out. On technical file, which we recorded as Kane said right before I got here. So I'm so much more calm. I'm more at peace <laughs> because you got to get it out. But even when I was feeling frustrated about how game one went, um, I still feel like the Bucks should be able to win this series against the Miami Heat. The Giannis injury, of course, throws some complications into that. Um, but 
like it comes down to some simple things. I don't think it needs to be a big overhaul from game one, but there are just some tweaks that need to be made. Uh, you called out the fact that most of the threes that the Miami Heat got up were open looks. They only took 25 of them, which isn't right. a lot by NBA yeah. standards at all. But it's the fact that 20 of them or so were open. Like that's a problem. And the Bucks, we know that the three-point shooting for the Bucks can completely go out the window in the playoffs. We've seen it every year now since Bud has been here. But one thing that, you know, they always lean their hats on is the defense. And that's how they won a championship, even when they were shooting poorly from three. So to see them give up 130 points to the Miami Heat, a bottom five offense in the regular season, that has to change. And I feel like they have the personnel to make that happen. We'll love to see them utilize Brooke Lopez a little bit more inside the paint. I mean, just the Bucks in general. Attack the basket. Miami's a small team. Um, there's going to be mismatches that they can attack, especially with Tyler Hero out now and Duncan Robinson coming in or Victor Oladipo. Like, there's things that the Bucks can do um, to attack them. And we know what Jimmy wants. Jimmy wants the, the twos and he wants the free throws. So we know how to play him. Not sure if Joe Ingles or Grayson Allen or uh, – even Chris is the best matchup for him defensively. So just seeing what they can do as we were talking about Wes and what that means for the team. So um, yeah, overall the vibe disappointed in game one, how it went, even with Giannis's injury, it felt like every time the bucks were going to, you know, be able to get over that hump, Miami will respond. So it was just an L Miami was better in game one, which some might've predicted given the fact that bucks hadn't played in over a week and the stars hadn't played since early April Um, but that's where I'm at right now, where it's like, if, if we lose tomorrow game two, the vibes will be different. It'll be very different because we already lost home court. Now at this point, losing game one. So you can't go to Miami down. Oh, two, you can't do it. All right. So I'll touch on something. You said there, the best matchup for Jimmy Butler, if healthy is Giannis. So let's get to the injury update from today's practice. And, uh, we've got some notes here again. This is from our friend, Eric name over at the athletics. So, the main message coming out of this is that it is pain tolerance uh, when it comes to the lower back here. Now, Mike Budenholzer did come out and say that there was optimism around the availability of Giannis for game two. X-rays and MRI came back clean, as we mentioned on yesterday's podcast. So that, when I first saw that, and I saw that first, and I said, okay, that's kind of what I thought based on reading the tea leaves, whatever you want to call it, after this game in game one. And I don't want to, and we try and say this, I don't want to take it for granted how tough Giannis is because we, I, I won't speak for anyone else, when you hear that it's a pain tolerance thing, you go, well, Giannis is just an absolute badass. And if it comes down to playing with pain, this guy is going to get out there and play. So that's why I thought that he was going to play. About an hour later or a couple of hours later, they put out the official injury report and he's actually listed as doubtful. So where do you sit after hearing Bud but then seeing the injury report, are you taking any notice of the injury report? You know, with the Giannis piece, it's hard to say, right? Yeah. Because like you mentioned, it's been all the optimism, but then he comes out listed as doubtful. We heard that he didn't practice at all today, which was to me kind of like, ah, like you would hope he would be able to do some type of work. Um, but then the other side is like, maybe they're just resting him and doing the rehab to try to get him ready to be able to play in game two. I'm not that worried about Giannis getting the work in. Like, are you like some players? Maybe you like it would be nice for them to practice, but it's not like Giannis is. He can have a day off. This man, he'll he'll be fine. That's fair. And then my other point with that is like we've also seen the injury report go from doubtful to questionable to playing pretty quickly when it Mm -hmm. comes before as well. So I have no idea in this moment if Giannis will be playing in game two or not. 
but it doesn't seem as if this is going to be an injury that's going to keep him out for a long term. So even if he does miss game two, I would be surprised if he missed like the entirety of the series. Um, maybe it's just like a game off. Like let's take this game to kind of get you right and then continue going on. But um, we'll have to see. I have no idea how that's going to be, but uh, my initial reaction to seeing it was kind of like a, like that. Ah, I didn't think to see that he'd be doubtful, but doubtful could turn to questionable to probable pretty quick with the bucks and with Giannis knowing how he is as well. So we'll have to see how he feels when he wakes up tomorrow how he feels when he goes out trying to do his uh, pregame warm-up. So hopefully we have a Giannis, but even if we don't, it seems as if we'll have him soon. So there's some some comfort, for me at least, in knowing that. I know what we're all going to be doing. Actually, I know what our friends in Milwaukee or in the US are going to be doing all morning. Maybe they'll be at work and they'll be checking the phones Mm -hmm. and maybe they'll have the notifications on. I'll be sleeping, so I'll probably... I mean, I'm a terrible sleeper, so I wake up every couple of hours as it is. So every time I wake up, I'm like, I'll just have a quick scroll on Twitter, see what we got. Okay, Giannis, not sure yet, because the game tips off at 11 o'clock over here. So we'll just wait and see. Uh, if they have Giannis, yes, I will go into this game feeling that the Bucks should be favorites. They have typically responded pretty well i did have someone in the youtube comments mention that hey it was pretty convenient kane that the one series that the bucks didn't win after losing game one was against the miami heat to which i responded the bubble i have completely erased the whole memory of the bubble from my brain so that is why i didn't bring that up but look the one thing is we do know and this is why miami even though they didn't have a great regular season they looked awful offensively they've got some of the veterans that won't get shaken and probably will have unwavering confidence that they can still win this series. So that's why, uh, for me, it was always going to be a little bit dangerous here. There was one other surprise on the injury front uh, from today's practice, which I was very disappointed to see. And we're going to get to that in just a second after I talk about the ultimate pro basketball uh, GM, which is one of the better games that I've seen in recent times. And I know you don't mind playing uh, video games from time to time, mm-hmm. uh, Camille, but I, 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 I'm not. I, I don't do it often. But this Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is pretty fun because you at least in your own home get to put yourselves in the position of John Horst and you get to make trades, uh, sign contract extensions to players, change your coaching staff if that's what you want to do. And you actually have to deal with the personalities of the players in the locker room as well. So for everyone that listens to this podcast and they think, oh, I could be an NBA GM, that's not even that hard of a job then you need to get the ultimate pro basketball GM. Locked on Bucks listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up in the app stores. That's probasketballgm.com, ultimate basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. All right, you are listening to Locked On Bucks, your team every day. And as I mentioned right off the top, if you're listening to the radio broadcast tomorrow, you can do it on Sirius XM. Tip off at 8 p.m. Central Time. Game two, Bucks and the Heat. Milwaukee looking to even up the series, uh, heading down to Miami. So uh, listen to every minute of the Bucks home broadcast. Justin Garcia is on there. Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search for Bucks there. Wesley Matthews, your old Marquette buddy, Camille, you're shaking your head. Let's see if we can get you fired back up again. (laughs) Unfortunately, this is an old man injury, the calf, and it's been on the injury report a few times throughout the season. It doesn't seem like he's been able to shake it or it's always been there niggling 
in the background, but he's not going to play in this game. And if it is a genuine calf strain, I mean, he's going to be gone for a while. So we don't know that for sure, but the fact that it was listed as a calf strain is a concern. If Giannis doesn't play, Wesley Matthews is one of the guys that probably would spend time on Jimmy Butler. He played 18 minutes in game one, and now he's gone. So it just gets worse for the Bucks. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was already named, like, Joe Ingles, uh, Grayson Allen, uh, even Chris Middleton on Jimmy Butler just does not look like that's going to be the move. And Wes Matthews was one of the guys who, when you see him on West, you're like, this works. This is a matchup that works defensively. And ideally, you know, we saw it when in 2021, Giannis on Jimmy is ideal. Like that worked out wonderfully. Um, so without Giannis, possibly without Wes here, what else can you do? What, what can you throw at him? You can put Drew on him for sure. We saw Drew have some goals at Jimmy um, in game one. You might see a bigger dose of that in game two. But the other option is a guy who's fallen off the rotation a little bit, who was a crucial part of the Bucks playoff run, championship run back in 2021. And that's Pat Connaughton. Like we saw in a regular season, right? Pat just didn't look uh, up to his standards. Honestly, like the shot wasn't there. Um, he just, he just wasn't looking right. And then with all the depth that the team had, you know, bringing in Joe Ingles, bringing in Jay Crowder, uh, t- time for minutes, he got squeezed. So Pat fell out of rotation. Um, but we've been saying it all year. A benefit of this Bucks team is his depth. Like they have guys who can come in and play. They have a team of veterans who understand like, hey, playing time is going to be scarce or understanding that, hey, this might not be my series, but the next one might be. And just trying to stay ready and be ready to play when the number is called. So I would hope um, that in game two, we might see a little bit of Pat. And there might be some people who are like, well, why would you want to see him when he showed you this regular season, like that he he hasn't been playing up to his standards. But it's like, I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit because he had an, another guy who had a start and stop type of season mm-hmm. with injury and trying to get that rhythm. And then it's like, you get hurt and then you follow rotations and not getting your minutes. Um, so we know what Pat can do. We've seen him do it. Um, and just defensively, like he's a little bit quicker. I know he has the, the flyby closeouts that drive some folks crazy. But when you're playing against Jimmy Butler, Jimmy's not looking to shoot many of those threes as it is. Again, Jimmy wants to get his twos and he wants to get to the free throw line. So it might be a matchup that Pat can actually do well when maybe he's not the primary defender, but he can be another guy you can throw another look to Jimmy for. Um, I know people will mention Jay. Jay was getting cooked in game one. <laughs> I don't I don't really know how other to say it. You would hope that maybe in game two there's adjustments made so that Jay, if he gets a minute increase as well, you know, trying to take some of those minutes from Wes, that he looks better. I hope he does because uh, the early returns in game one weren't favorable. There was, there was one play in particular where it's like he guessed the wrong way that Jimmy was going to go after Jimmy made a move and then just he got took to the basket and it's just kind of like, ah. This is not what I expected from uh, from Jay Crowder at this point. So we'll have to see. The Bucks are going to have to dig deep, and, and it's going to be a team effort to try and slow down Jimmy Butler. So we got a question uh, via Twitter, and I say this all the time. Jump on YouTube, drop your, your comments in there, or you can get uh, me on Twitter, at Kane Pittman. I'll try and check the DMs uh, there if you've got a question or any feedback. But this is from Mike Capel, and he says, uh, usually an audio listener, so he hit me up on Twitter. Uh, why do you think Bud has drifted away from playing Pat Connaughton? Do you think he should get some more minutes over Grayson Allen, assuming the Bucks advance? So I guess he's talking in series. Beyond, to come back to your point, yeah, I think that we've seen 
a track record with Bardock playing different guys in different matchups. But I think the easy answer is for Pat, you pointed to some of the reasons. He was down at 33.9% from three. It was a struggle for him. And I think really once the Bucks got Ingles, Middleton, mm-hmm. Crowder, and they invested in bringing Crowder in to be a playoff impact player, there was just a squeeze at those positions there. So if I look at the box score from two nights ago, and you can talk about what Pat might do in the future, but I think we're looking at right now. And if Giannis doesn't play it, then Pat to me is absolutely playing. But you only got 12 minutes from Jay Crowder in game one. I expect that that's going to go up because someone has to soak up the 18 minutes from Wesley Matthews. Obviously, Giannis only played 10 there, but the rest of the starters were above 30 minutes. Grayson Allen only at 31. So it's not like his minutes were absolutely through the roof here. So the short answer to the question is with Wesley Matthews now out and also uh, Giannis a a question mark at least, I think we're absolutely going to see some Pat Mm -hmm. uh, in game two here. And if you do look at the minutes that he played last year in the postseason, he was around 24 minutes per game. He was up over 20 minutes per game when the Bucks won the title. He's played 73 postseason games, even uh, from his time in Milwaukee, but before that time with Portland. So he's got a lot of experience. I think it's a tough ask to basically turn around to Pat and say, listen, I know you really haven't played since the, the 4th of April, so it's two and a half weeks. Come in and be an impact player in a pressure game. But that's why we've spoken all year about the depth on this team. It only matters if they show up in the postseason yeah. or when you do have one of these injuries. So, yeah, there's a little bit of pressure on the Bucks now, but uh, that's why they've got an older team and, and a team of veterans. So uh, I'm, a, I'm at least hopeful that Pat will come in and look something like the Pat we've seen in the past. I would love that um, because, again, he was such a crucial part of, you know, bench mob. That's, that's part of his creation. Like, he drove that energy, drove that spirit. So um, when injuries strike, someone has to step up. Like no one's going to feel sorry for the Bucks if Giannis can't play, if Wes is out. It's like, well, suit up and play. Mm-hmm. That's what we have to do. So hopefully the guys who come in and off the bench, Pat being one of them, I would assume, they come in and they produce. Um, I believe Chris Middleton was at what, like 32, 33 minutes in the first game. So maybe he gets another five. Maybe they bump him up a couple more minutes um, to try to take up some of the minutes that, you know, Wes had as well. But he can't do it all by himself. You can't just put them all, all minutes on Chris. There's not enough minutes <laughs> to do it that way. So I think it has to be Pat who comes in and, and makes an impact that way because looking at your other options, it's not going to be Marjan. It's not going to be Thanasis. It's not going to be uh, Dragic. And we know it's not going to be Myers Leonard because position like at the position that he needs right now. So the only other option there is Pat. Or playing other guys more minutes and, and keeping the rotation, you know, to a nine-man rotation at that point. I tell you what, if Marjan Bochamp comes in in the postseason at any point in time and has an impact in a playoff game, the YouTube comments are going to absolutely explode because there has been that many people saying that he should have been playing through the season, all those types of things. So anyway, that would be a long shot. I would totally agree with you, but. Yeah, we've only got one game into the postseason and already the Bucks have to mix and match some stuff here. So mm-hmm. I'm absolutely fascinated uh, to see how this all plays out. And uh, we should say, obviously, tomorrow, and we've been talking about our everyday is on this podcast, the people that are listening to Locked on Bucks every single day, you know that you're going to be around tomorrow for the postgame show. As soon as the game is done, I'll jump on uh, with Frank and we'll bring you a postgame show, hopefully after a win, but... If it's a loss, we'll still be here as well. So make sure you check out Locked On Bucks tomorrow. We're going to get to the anonymous poll 
here in just a little bit. That's uh, you know some fascinating results. And again, it does just show you there is a lot of respect for this Bucks roster across the league from the players' contingent anyway. So we're going to get to those results after I talk about game time. And I know there'll be Bucks fans listening to this show that are still looking for last-minute tickets for game two at Fiserv Forum, maybe game five. I guess we still have to say if required at the moment. If there's not a game five, it's going to be some depressing times. But you should go to game time because if you're buying tickets to your favorite events, it shouldn't be stressful. And game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, uh, music as well, comedy, theater, all those types of things. Killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. So they do have flash deals right up until the last minute. It's easy to find the tickets. You can see your view on the map, which is something that I like to do to see where I'm going to be sitting in the arena. So game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Download the game time app, create an account and use the code locked on NBA for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Just create the account redeem and use the redeem code locked on NBA for 20 bucks off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Let's roll through some of these anonymous poll results. Again, this was The Athletic. I tell you what, The Athletic is just feeding this show with content. There's no (laughs) doubt about that. So let's get through some of the results here. And you let me know, Camille, if any of this is a surprise to you. So if we go to who's the best defender in the NBA, and I was on here banging on about thinking that Brooke Lopez should have won Defensive Player of the Year yesterday. But if you're asking the players, Drew Holiday, 28.7%. It was a blowout. Mm -hmm. And then second... Lou Dort, Brooke Lopez was third there uh, with 8.9% Giannis down at 4% there. Any surprise there? Because if there's one thing we know around the league, the players love Drew Holiday. That's what it is. And I feel like with Drew Holiday having a little bit of a bigger stage here in Milwaukee, which sounds weird to say that Milwaukee's a bigger stage, but when you have Giannis, the stage is biggest, like, like right. he just increases everything here. So um, having a bigger stage in Milwaukee on the championship run and people seeing and paying more attention to what he's doing. And I think after so long of being called the most underrated defender, most underrated player, people start paying attention. Um, and he's garnered the respect of his peers in the league. And that poll shows it. I was shocked to see Lou Dort at two. Um, I was like, that's, I was like, that's interesting to me, but, to see Drew Holiday as a runaway favorite like that and Jaron Jackson Jr. was so much further down, I, that was kind of a surprise to me, um, especially Defensive Player of the Year. But, again, people would say, you know, it's the the body of work, and I know Jaron Jackson Jr. is a very versatile defender. But seeing Brooke Lopez up there about 9% of the vote, I like that he got that respect as well, um, just as being a rim protector because when you look at a Brooke Lopez, he's not Jaron Jackson Jr. where – he can go and defend on the perimeter and then come back. Like the styles of defense are so different, but the fact that Brooke is also getting his respect for doing what he does so well as a rim protector, uh, especially in space with that drop coverage, that's really cool to see. So uh, the Brooke love was, was cool. And to see Drew holiday lap the field was outstanding. Yeah. outstanding, especially over Marcus smart. Outstanding. I love it. Where was Marcus Smart if I pull that up? Was he I think up he's there? Tied with Brooke Lopez. Oh, yep. Yeah, he was a tie with Brooke Lopez. So I think what it does do, and this is something I've thought for a while, and people talk about, yeah, could the players do votes for end of season awards? I don't think it would work. And I'm not saying that they're wrong about Drew Holiday because no one loves him more than this Lockdown Bucks podcast for sure. But it does go to say that the players, I think, do typically lean 
towards guys that they've played against for longer and they lean on the mm-hmm. veterans and the guys that, you know, as you kind of pointed to, are on, are on the better teams there. So uh, it, I, I do like seeing it. It does make me think that by the end of his career, we're all going to sit back in years to come and just say, how the hell did Drew Holiday not get a Defensive Player of the Year award? Because one of the quotes in the article from an anonymous player, obviously, was just like, Drew Holiday is the type of player that you just avoid at all costs and you do everything you can to keep the ball away from him because of what he can do and the damage he can cause. Uh Maybe he will spend some time on Jimmy Butler tomorrow. We can get to that, though. Uh, next one. You're building a roster from scratch. Who are you going to sign with? 52% of the <laughs> votes starting with Giannis. Uh, it makes sense. Still in his prime. Or yeah, some would say in, just entering his prime. Mm-hmm. But obviously, he's young enough that if you were starting a franchise and you wanted a sure thing, you have Giannis on your roster. It's pretty much an automatic contender there. So that, that wasn't a huge shock. Another one. Most underrated player. Again, Drew Holiday at leading. There's the other category, so there's some obviously some random names all combined together. But Drew Holiday, the most underrated player as well. You reference that. So I don't know whether these two things tie in together. Is Drew Holiday the most underrated player? And that's and the players are saying he's the best defender. He hasn't won Defensive Player of the Year, so therefore he's underrated. I don't know. I, I, I've actually heard more Drew Holiday love this year than I've ever heard before. Same. Maybe it is the body of work in his time in Milwaukee here, but uh, I do take a lot from that when it's the players that are consistently always giving Drew Holiday such high praise. Same, because they're the ones who have to play against him. So it's like they know <laughs> as well as anybody how difficult it is to go up against that man. And a lot of times when it comes to getting recognition, it's always a couple of years late. Like, it's like right. he's been doing this for years. As we know, he's been being called the most underrated player in the league for a while. Maybe not top in polls, but if you asked players three, four or five years ago, who's underrated? Drew Holiday's name would come up fairly often in those conversations then as well. So to see him still getting that even a year where, you know, all star, possibly uh, all NBA Drew Holiday this year. Um, it just goes to show, like, it seems that the players think like, the credit and the you know love that he has been getting still isn't enough given what he's able to do on the court. That's how I take it, at least at this point, because he's won a championship now. People know who Drew Holiday is, and the players still think, yet and still, that he is underrated, which goes to show the value that he brings to the Bucks and how hard he is to play against because he gets a lot of his credit for his defense um, and although we've seen the regular season, what the offense can be like, maybe that's also part of why they're seeing him as underrated at this point, because he's known as being a defense first guy, but his offensive back has grown and we've seen the, the step back. We've seen the, the little almost trick shots where he's shooting it over the backboard. We see how he uses his strength to impose his will to get to the rim and score over bigger defenders, score over whoever's in his way. So that can also be part of it too, giving him some more credit for his offensive game. Um, since when you hear Drew Holiday, the first thing you think about is defense normally. Very well said. And hopefully we see some of that uh, expanded offensive game in the postseason over the next few days. We would absolutely love to see that. Last one I got for you, Draymond Green stomping all over DeMontis Sabonis, using him as a springboard. Uh, Thoughts? I didn't expect – I fell asleep during that game. Um, So when I woke up and I saw my phone, I was like, why is everybody talking about Draymond Green? And I'm trying (laughs) to find the clip. I didn't expect to see – you referenced Stone Cold, I think, earlier. That's that's like a curb stomp to the chest. That's the <laughs> Mario Super Brothers jumping up to get a ring. Yeah. That Like, that man was A-Town stumping on his chest. He he used his force 
um, to step on Sabonis' chest. And Sabonis did have his ankle. Um, mm-hmm. I think that Sabonis was trying to grab his head and caught the ankle and then just kept holding on. You can question the intent, but he did grab his ankle. And Draymond's excuse was, you know, he didn't have anywhere else to land. And <laughs> that just all seems excessive. It's kind of like uh, if uh, somebody like gently tapped you, I was like, hey, I need you to get your attention or something. And then you turn around, you get hit with a chair. It's like, where'd the chair come from? Like, if anything, just tap me back. So that's how I see the Draymond thing. Like, and there are people who, because of Draymond's reputation, they're going to feel a way about it as it is. I don't think he's going to get suspended. I think he's going to get fined and they're going to keep on playing. But didn't expect to see him, uh, you know, river dancing on someone's chest uh, in the middle of the game. It was interesting. So I think that, as you pointed to, he was clearly grabbed. And if anyone has, we've all been in that situation before, you, for, for, for normal people like us, Camille, usually in embarrassing fashion if you're tripping over in public or something like that. And when you when someone grabs your foot or you trip over something, the first step, you don't have much control over it. it, it the foot is coming down. So I think that he had a couple of options in that moment. He was either going to just like fall to the ground, which he could have done, and that then he wouldn't have had to do it. But he made a choice in that moment that no, I'm not going to the ground. So this is what this is how this is going to go down. And it was, yeah. you know, pretty athletic move in all honesty from Draymond <laughs> to just got some good, got some good the funny, there. Actually, the, the funny part too is after the game, they they asked him about like you know why did he get ejected, and he said the refs said that he stomped too hard. And I said yeah. that's an interesting thing to say out loud. Yeah. That, yeah. He stomped too hard, and it did. I mean, he he put some force to it, and he had been mm-hmm. irritated because he felt his foot had been grabbed in game one. He didn't get called, so he probably put a little extra on that step than he had to just to, to continue on with his motion. That series is getting very interesting, but mm-hmm. we're absolutely focused on uh, the Bucks though, and the Locked On Bucks podcast. So as I said, make sure you're with us if you're an everydayer, which everyone should be at this point in time. Join us tomorrow for the post-game show for Locked On Bucks, and during the game, uh, you can catch every minute of the Bucks hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search for Bucks there and listen to the radio broadcast. And we will be back after the game. And uh, let's face it, let's just cross our fingers that it is 1-1 because uh, we'll take it at this point in time for the Bucks. They need a win at home before the series shifts to Miami. So we'll be back for the post game. Check out the Technical Foul podcast as well. Camille told us at the start that she was just going off about the Bucks. So if you want to hear that, listen to Tech Foul and we'll be back after the game. 